What's happening people? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, we're staying away from the video episodes at the moment. I just tried to film this um, about four times and see, I'm just going through this phase where I literally, I cannot be arsed having my face on camera. I can't be bothered. Like, see, try to talk and then look at the camera there. I was like, do you know what? Just sack it off. I just want to talk in a room, get my thoughts out and then post it on the internet without having to do any fancy editing stuff. I'm just going through this phase. I know personal trainers listen to this, but see like Instagram reels and stuff. I am getting so sick of just making the same video over and over again. Just trying to find a different camera angle to say the same thing um, and not be able to expand on it. I feel like they do, they're not that helpful. I know they do help people, but I've just got this creative fucking bone in me or muscle in me and it hates making the same video or it hates talking about the same stuff. I just can't do it. My brain actually malfunctions. I can't really just do the same thing over and over again. I think that's why I run my own business because you can change what you do or what angle you come at things from. But yeah, so do you know what? We're just doing audio episodes um, at the moment. So I've got, it's my creativity muscle that, you know, I need, to, I just need a, a different program for it. So I think, I think a lot of people will be glad to hear that I'm gonna start doing guest episodes as soon again. I know I've said this like 30 times, but I'm booking my flight back for the middle of May and I've got studios back home. And I think because I'm getting so bored of just doing like TikTok videos and short form stuff, um, before I came out here, the main thing I was focusing on was the podcast and it was going pretty well, but coming out here, I just couldn't get my studio and get like Aussie guests and stuff in. Whereas back home, I already have like a full setup. Um, so I'll be back to doing guest podcasts. And I think that's what will challenge me, like interviewing people. Um, the solo ones I'm getting pretty good at, good at. I'm getting like better at talking um, and it's a good skill to have. But you know what? You just learn, you learn so much like talking to people. Before we get into today's episode, all I need you to do is listen to me for a second. If you're struggling with anything to do with fitness, the best way to bypass years and years of struggling like I did is to get yourself a coach. Am I saying I'm the best coach and I'm the best fit for you? What I'm saying is I probably am. And what I'm saying is you should DM me more info on Instagram um, for coaching and we can have a conversation about that. If you listen to the rest of the episode, I'm pretty sure you'll get my vibe. My vibe is completely different from the Instagram reels. That's just to grab your attention because there's no other fucking way on Instagram. You have to be a little bit of a cunt. And people keep telling me, do you know what? See, when I meet you in person or listen to your podcast, you're not actually that much of an, an arsehole. And I'm like, I know, I'm actually fucking well sound and I'm good at my job. So. That's probably I, I go through this phase like every six months anyway, where they're like I hate short form content, but it's like short form content right now is the way to grow. It's the, the if you if you're not long into like coaching and stuff, it's what you have to do. If you've not if you don't do short form, you just start a podcast without even short form clips. Nobody will watch you, mate. Nobody will give a fuck. Um. So this episode, right? I want to flip the way everyone think. Not everyone. I'm hardly going to do that. Um, I want to flip the way most people view fitness, right? Because if you're like me, say when I was younger, especially before I get into the gym, I was the first wee fucking slimy prick to slag anyone that went to the gym. I genuinely would call people out and go, oh, you're lifting all oh, fucking protein, bro. Do you know what I mean? I literally would just 
I, I, w I wasn't like down talking to them, but I would I would think I was above people that went to the gym. Um, I've I don't even know I don't even know if I thought it was like I was trying to like get their insecurities or anything, but I just looked down on people that went to the gym. I just thought they took it well too far and stuff. Um, and that's probably the perspective quite a lot of people have. If you think of if you just picture your local gym just now, you probably straight away just think about oh the bodybuilder that's on roids that I went to school with that also deals drugs. You probably think about just the vanity or people taking their top off and taking pictures of themselves, that sort of thing. But you don't see, which by the way, is it's definitely prevalent in gyms if you go to a gym, you don't see the 35 year old that's had two kids that's now back in the gym after not like doing anything for like two years or you don't see the guy that's going through a breakup and the gym is literally like the anchor in his life um, to get through his breakup and that, like, do you know what I mean? You don't see the other side to why people are actually going to the gym. You just see the vanity side. You see, you just see what you're projecting for the reason that they're going. You're thinking it's just for literally shallow people to become more attractive to even shallower people. That's the way you look at it probably. Um, or that's the way you look at lifting weights anyway. That's the way a lot of people look at lifting weights. They're like, oh, lifting weights isn't for me. It's a vanity thing. It definitely isn't. And it's definitely something that is open for all people if they let it, if they let it be, if they are open to it. Um, so the way I want to start flipping your perspective, right? Lifting weights, overall for long-term term health is something you should be considering, right? And what before because I want to make sure that you listen to the rest of this, I'm going to go through my sort of childhood. So the, also a reason I don't want to film myself is some of the stuff I've wrote down to talk about is quite emotional, right? Um, it's stuff that I went through my childhood and the reason I want to go through it is I'm probably going to be mostly speaking to people that maybe have kids I maybe have other stresses in their life and personally even though I'm turning 28 pretty soon and if I hear someone like a, a male under the age of like 25 or 24 giving out life advice I, I, it's nothing makes me cringe more hearing them quote a fucking book or something I'm like mate shut up you, you made some money it doesn't mean you, you have any sort of life advice that you can give to other people. It just means that you can maybe help people and um, make some money. But life advice, maybe stay away from that. So the reason, because I'm going to be trying to change people's perspective that are in the category of maybe having kids and I can't relate to them, I'm not going to give you advice on that. But what, what I want to do is come at it from the angle of the kid. So it's gonna I'm going to talk about my childhood to flip the way you actually think about it um, and maybe by the end of it I'm hopefully going to come around full circle and I'm going to try make you see the impact that it maybe has on your kid and why maybe putting your health first isn't selfish also as well as tying it in with not being a vanity thing. Um, right so just to go through my sort of upbringing and how maybe my parents' habits and stuff had an effect on me. So, not to do the whole X Factor story thing, you also have to remember that I'm from Glasgow, so there's there's an extreme 
Glaswegian trait of I just cringe at any sort of X Factor story or any sort of bigging myself up, can't do it. So, Matt bringing right, so I was fat all from probably, so I reckon my mum and dad broke up when I was four. I moved in with my mum when I was like four. Um, there were periods where my mum tried to pin me against my dad. I didn't see my dad for like six to eight weeks. Um, I remember my dad actually saying the first time my mum let him see me, uh, he crashed his car after it. So it was a pretty fucked um, divorce. But all I can tell you in regards to like health and stuff, I remember getting a bit chubby when I was like six or seven. And that stayed with me the full time I lived with my mum. I was overweight the full time when I don't know if you can really be chubby when you were four, but there's, if you look at pictures of me, it's when I got to about six when I was living with my mum that I definitely was getting fatter. Um, so my mum's habits, right, not to be too harsh on her, but she's never done fucking anything for her health, her health ever in her life. Um, she, she's like tried every like quick fix under the sun. She's tried every supplement under the sun. But I never, ever, ever remember her once doing any form of exercise ever. And if she was doing, like, she would, I would go to football training and stuff. My dad would come and watch me play football every week. I don't remember my mum really being the one that encouraged that. That was my dad, and I just loved football in general. Um, but nothing, none of that was like, I don't, I don't associate my mum with any of that. I don't associate her. Well, she used to take me to football training, to be fair, um, but I don't associate her with pushing me to do it. My dad would be pushing me to do all that sort of thing. Um, and I've always, like, as recently, I've always sort of been thinking, because when you're that young, I had no control over what I really ate, because my mum would do the cooking. I would have no control of, like, I'd have no knowledge of the food I was eating and stuff. And if I watched what my mum would do, it would literally just be like, go to Weight Watchers for two weeks. And then, it, like, that is it. Like, as in just to attend the classes. I don't remember ever if she changed the diet, maybe for like three days and it would just be in a starvation sort of thing. And I can't remember her ever. Just in general, now, you're all going to think this is really harsh because like, people tend to have this bias toward mothers, but she didn't really have any sort of positive impact on me at all in terms of doing like having any responsibility for yourself. Um, so nothing to do with like, we were on benefits. Um, after a while, I never got pushed to do anything to do with school. I hated school anyway, so I don't know if that was that bad of an idea, but I just never really get pushed to do anything. And I didn't, especially towards the, like maybe past 10, me and my mum didn't go on at all. Um, you're probably thinking, you should go for therapy. I'm going for therapy. I've been doing it for the last three or four months, but it's something that I want to wait till I've done like a year of to talk about. And I want to just go come out and just say everything that I've maybe experienced through going to therapy and stuff but it's something I'm not ready to talk about I'm still in the early stages of it but I overshare stuff on the podcast I'm going to continue to do that um, I don't I don't really see the negatives of it that much I know it helps people um, so basically I don't think my mum had a very good impact on me at all 
not even slightly. I, I really, really don't think she impacted me positively in my childhood much, especially towards like my health. I was like by 15, I was up to like 15 and a half stone. At 15 years of age to be that heavy, that's like, I don't know, maybe pushing 100 kilos. I was fat, man. I was really, really fat and I was really fucking, like my self-esteem was on the floor. I remember like if a girl spoke to me, I would actually like be shaking with nerves. I was at that, which is quite normal in high school, but I, I think I had a really hard time with it. Um, and I remember everyone at 15 sort of was talking about kissing people and all that. I'd, I'd like never kissed anyone at the age of 15 and shit. So I just remember it was a pretty um, traumatic time and I'm pretty sure... Um, she had a direct impact on me. Now, my mum also done some other more sort of fucked up stuff and I, all, I also have had in my head that maybe it wasn't just I was overeating. I do think there might have been a case of her deliberately in a fucked up way overfeeding me um, because there's just some random things that have happened since. Like, I remember when I, fir when I first moved in with my dad and I'll, I did lose weight Oh, this is fucked. So I, I did lose weight with my dad. I'm going to go into that in a second. But when I went up to my mum's for Christmas, like maybe a year after living with my dad and I've lost a lot of weight, she got me two extra large tops from Primark. One, oh. one was bright green, right? It was like a fucking two for one deal. It was like buy one, get one free. One was bright green and one was bright purple, right? Extra large. I'm like a medium. And then she got me a size, this is when skinny jeans were a thing as well, right? A size 38, just regular fit jeans. I was like a size 32 at the time. I'd be like, you do? No, these don't fit me. So just some, there were some sly things that I just never really understood. Um, my, that's the least fucked up Christmas present um, I've got from her, by the way. Some of the fuck things she got me were fucking so weird. Anyway... So I don't think it's a I don't think it's coincidental at all that when I moved in with my dad, my mindset towards everything sort of changed. Now my dad doesn't have a Scooby Doo about nutrition. He thinks of all the typical. He he would try out exercise a bad diet. Um, he wouldn't really know anything and he would have all the classical myths like would be his catchphrase like oh you should just stop eating after six that sort of thing but just in general his general sort of attitude towards life he was very much a person like he would run he he was a runner not a runner but he would that would be his modality for his fitness and he liked it so like all the way through when he was a kid like school and stuff he'd be running um, and then whenever he would put on weight, he would run and stuff, which isn't for everyone, but my dad actually liked running, like he would time himself and he got a kick out of that. So that was his thing. So my dad was, my dad's very much of the mentality of old school Scottish where he wouldn't be a victim to stuff, which can be toxic in some, in some sense, but also you would take that toxicity over the opposite of like doing absolutely nothing and just blaming everything that's happened to you. I would very much now be on my dad's sort of side of the coin, whereas that I think that's a, just a direct correlation of living with him after. So when I moved in with my dad, um, I'd first started losing weight. I, I also, like my habits were getting better. I, at the time of moving in with him, I'd have been overweight. I, I, I couldn't 
fathom having a job. I had a few jobs and I would always just quit. I couldn't handle having a boss, but I would also try, like I was doing this sport called freestyle and I was trying to do work for that, but I just couldn't concentrate on anything for more than 10 minutes. I couldn't see the bigger picture or anything. And I just had absolutely zero patience um, to do anything or to put my mind to anything. And even, he didn't have the best chats with me, but just seeing the way that he sort of would, he would still work and he would get frustrated, but he just wouldn't really give up. Um, and I think that had an impact on me, whereas my mum would just, wouldn't even try in the first place, wouldn't even bother to try fix anything unless it was like buy something and try patch up whatever it is. Like she'll just buy a fucking, um, if she thinks she's got something wrong with her, she'll just buy a pill that she thinks will fix everything and then every week there's just some new pill that she's taking so I think this started to have an impact on me and I started to get into the gym I would fail by the way this is a two or three four five year process of at least starting but then failing quite a lot and eventually this is probably due to my own sort of like researching and stuff as well and building up like I have to credit myself to some degree but I do think my dad had a massive impact on me and um, now before we go on to the next part I do want to say that as my as I left my mum so my mum started developing rheumatoid arthritis when she was like when I was like maybe 11 or something and my mum has deteriorated massively so she's also She's got a replacement hip, she's got a replacement ankle. Now, rheumatoid arthritis, as far as I like, I'm by no means a doctor. Um, I'm pretty sure it is quite genetical. It's all, oh, actually, there's a um, there's a guy called Gabor Matty that's a um, leading psychologist slash therapist. And he sort of says that rheumatoid arthritis is a trauma response so again I'm just quoting other people don't take my word for it but that would sort of make sense because my mum had a horrific time with her mum um, and just in general my mum's family are all fucked they're all fucked in the head I think I've got a few cousins that I really like one of my aunties who's married in is really sound I've got like I'm telling you one of the uncles I can remember is sound who I haven't seen in 10 years but the rest of them are all fucked. Like that. That's why I don't. I don't really. I find it mad when people are like they can't fathom. Well, not they can't fathom, but people that come from really good families on either side, and like family's everything. Like your mum's everything. It's like just come. But wait, wait till you experience. Like what? I would just like to throw you in the fucking families that on either side that I have, and you would maybe change your mind on that because it's also people like oh fucking do you know what I find hilarious not hilarious but when people are like biggest red flag when he's not in a good relationship with, your, with his mum you fucking try have a good relationship with someone with schizophrenia or fucking I'll, I'll give you a grand for if you can if you can get through it for like two months if you've if you've had a really good relationship with your mum um, anyway so basically if you look at my mum is bordering on like she probably she's refusing to get a wheelchair but she probably needs one um she's got low low blood pressure i think she's anemic she had an underactive thyroid that apparently turned into an overactive thyroid pretty much i think if you could 
See if you just googled stuff you can have wrong with you. I reckon you could tick half of them for my mum. So it's pretty much been a picture of like, I've watched a movie go along for the last 27 years and although I, I think if I lived with her, it would have really, really, really affected me. But now that I, I can take a step back and look at it, I think the movie I've watched has been a lesson for me of what not to do. But I only think it's because I removed myself from that environment when I was like 17, 18 and lived with my dad. In that environment, it's absolutely torture. Um, but yeah, so that I, I think I had lessons of just what not to do. Um, and this is also my whole point with sort of flipping the perspective and how to look at it is not I'm being selfish towards my kids if I like take time to exercise and stuff. It's more what does the kid learn from your habits? Now, I know that you can't do everything perfectly as a parent, and I know you're gonna like, there, you cannot stop yourself from doing something to fuck the kid up. Like, you're gonna do something. Like, I'm not trying to make it like pressurize people or make them overthink every decision they make. I'm more just trying to think about health in general, right? Um, so that being said right so what I've said about my dad he's, he's someone who works out or not works out he's someone who runs he's someone that he would he would have vegetables in his dinner do you know what I mean he would think about his food a little bit um, he would be playing football he would always have some sort of like health goal usually like a running time or whatever but when I got to about 14 I was going to a party one evening um, and honestly I reckon if anyone from school was listening to this um, they would know exactly the, the party was that notorious that pretty much everyone within a fucking 10 mile radius of Hamilton knew the party and it was um, I'm not going to say his name actually anyway it was just this party that I think the boy from school had he was yeah, I can't remember. I, I honestly think this might be the story. I think he he came out as gay maybe and his parents didn't like it and this might not be true and that's why I'm not going to be say, saying the names. Um, and then they went away so he invited like the, honestly the full town to his house and it was mental. But I'd only just got there and so everyone would talk about this party for months, right? So within five minutes of me getting there, I get a phone call from my auntie um, saying that my dad had been rushed to, no, not rushed to hospital, sorry. My dad had been, went to hospital and has just had an operation for stints after having a heart attack. And now that even just, I'm not going to cry, but that that's the closest I've ever been to crying whilst mentioning stuff on a podcast. It was the worst thing I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Even though I knew he was still alive, it was fucking terrifying. And I think he texted me the night before saying he had chest pains. Uh, and I like felt weird about it. But my dad would not really tell you the truth with those sort of things. He wouldn't want to worry you. But I remember being, and I had to like free my mates around me. And I was fucking hysterically crying. And then I remember going, and I mean like, <laughs> it's funny because anyone else that went to that party would just associate it with like the most mental thing they've ever been to and it'd been hilarious. I remember walking in, this guy was cutting the grass out the back, somebody was hoovering the front garden, you know, a typical empty and fucking Glasgow and surrounding areas. 
and this boy that we, they, they, there used to be this group of people that used to just turn up to like any parties we went to and just ruin the whole vibe because everyone was scared of them they were rough as fuck they'd come and just sniff coke off the tables and then fuck up the house and then leave and no one would really say anything to them because they were fucking terrified of them they like we went to a festival before and we were all in the same place they slashed everyone's tents these these sort of people you know not very nice people um, you wouldn't be scared of any of them one on one but you'd be scared of all of them together because they were fucking nuts anyway this boy that I, he was probably my least favourite out of all of them um, he came up to me and just penned my face with a highlighter and I just found out that my dad had nearly died um, I didn't hit him but it's the closest I've ever actually been to like and I would have got my cunt kicked because there was probably like 10 of them there that were mental but that was the, that was probably the scariest night of my life because I was so close to hitting him and I never get like that. But he was an arsehole and he just he caught me at the wrong time. Anyway, so fat. What the point I'm trying to make? Well, I'm not really trying to make a point because that you only need to hear that to really understand what I'm talking about. But that was probably my dad would have been someone that looked after his health quite a lot. He's he's aged forty five here, so he's really young. Uh, heart attacks run in my family I think my grandpa that I never met he had four of them before the fourth one got him but my dad would have been someone that did look after himself most of the time but he'd went through a phase of maybe two or three years where he'd put on a decent chunk of weight he'd stopped really exercising he still smoked at the time he still smoked like 20 cigarettes and the reason I want to bring it up is because see at that very moment see if it went the other way because he'd <laughs> This just sums him up. He'd bought, see the heart attack, right? He didn't fall to the ground or anything. It wasn't like a um, dramatic event. He didn't fall to the ground gasping for air and get rushed to hospital. No, no, no. My dad was on a three-day bender in Newcastle or Leeds or one of them. Um, he thought he had bad indigestion. So he thought he had heartburn, but it went on for like a week and it was getting worse and worse. And then he was starting to get a wee bit of chest pains um, with the indigestion. And he was like, mm, this might be pretty bad heartburn. And he went to the hospital and they were like, oh yeah, you've, ha you've had a heart attack. And he's like, all right, what do I do about that? And they were like, oh, we need to get stints put in and you need to stop smoking immediately and lose weight. Um, but, you know, when you're 14, uh, look, you just, the word heart attack, nope. No, thank you. Don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear my dad's had a heart attack. Anyway, the how I look back in this and I tell him this as well as see if my dad see if you take what the what my mum is like now and just what happened when I moved from my mum's to my dad's if my dad died at, when I was 14 I would be fucking terrified for what would have happened to me if I had to grow up with my mum for the rest of my life, I'm almost a million percent sure that I'd be some sort of addict. Um, I'm pretty sure of it. I don't know if I would have got round it. I, I think I was able to... The good thing about the stuff with my mum is I was, I'd never, I never believed anything she was doing. She used to do well fucked up stuff, but I would always like have my head a wee bit screwed on. She'd be telling me the world was going to end and all this, and I'd be like... 
don't think it is or she'd be telling me that the chemtrails I'd be sitting tanning outside she'd tell me the chemtrails were killing me and I'd be like don't think they are I don't think they are I think I'm going to keep tanning and she would like she'd tell me that she wouldn't speak to me for the rest of the day if I never came in and I would I would stay outside and tan I'd not speak to her for the rest of the day so I think I had I had my sanity a good bit but I still think that would have affected me and I, I think my dad my dad was like just the the voice of reason every time my mum was going to do something mental my mum wanted to take me to move to Spain when I was 12 and convince me like that we could move to Spain and start a life there with this boyfriend that she had that she just treated like an actual doormat like she genuinely treated him like a doormat um just to give you actually just to give you a fair idea of what it's like now that guy who was a doormat for about two or three years pretty sure she just used him for money because he was on um he was on the oil rigs um he apparently he died about a year ago or like half a year ago my mum told me about this and she couldn't figure out how he died she'd been phoning everyone they're from like the same town um and she rang me and she was like oh i found out how mark died and I was like, how how did he die? And she was like, oh, he committed suicide. And I was like, fuck, that's so grim. That's absolutely grim. And I was like, how did you find out? And she was like, oh, a psychic told me. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Of course. Of fucking course. Anyway, so, do you know what? I, I think I would have lost my mind living with my mum. I don't think I'd have, I don't think I'd have made the money to move out. I don't think I'd, I would ever went there and I think I would have been stuck there and I think I would have absolutely lost my mind. So when my, after my dad had the heart attack, he lost a bit of weight. Um, he started running again, I think, or like he would ease himself back into exercise. He quit smoking. And then also when I moved in, my dad, when I was 18, two or three years, maybe when I was like, maybe when I was like 20, I... Um, I figured out my dad was smoking again. So my dad had the fact he smoked from my mum for a good six years, even though my mum knew the full time he would do it in like the toilet and stuff and she could smell it from him and then he would just like stone cold deny it. Um, and I figured out he was doing it again. He was doing it in like the attic and stuff. So I came home steaming one day and confronted him about it and literally started like, hysterically crying he started crying and stuff um, and I told him it was the most selfish thing he'd ever done in his full entire life and from that moment on, I'm pretty sure from that because as soon as he started smoking again I knew instantly I could smell it in the house so instantly like probably from the first fag that he started again I knew about it um, so I confronted him straight away and I think he seen what it done to me and it scared the fucking shit out of him and he stopped doing it instantly because generally that I think that's the most selfish thing my dad's ever done is start I know it's hard I know I get that I know that everyone says as soon as you stop smoking the your first day of not smoking feels like every day feels like your first day of not smoking it's that difficult but when he's seen how traumatized I was from seeing him smoke because I'm always just like if I if I had just got I think I would be I could cope with it better now because I'm now at that age but like I hadn't developed yet like if I had just had my mum I'd be so fucked I'd be absolutely fucked um, so my whole point with all of this 
is say if you say if you do have kids a lot of people have this complex that taking any time to look after yourself is a selfish act i think quite the opposite i think not show not being some sort of example to look after yourself as a selfish act for your kids because whatever they see they're going to copy so if you're if you're doing mad diets all the time they're going to see that that's going to fuck up their relationship even going towards the other way if you're like oh i'm happy and what like if you're telling yourself that when you know deep down that you've maybe because you've failed at losing weight or whatever that you're just happy with how you look but you never do any form of exercise they're never going to do any form of exercise i get the the i want to frame that in the right way right because i get a lot of the body positivity movement um but if there's no form of exercise there i think it's a cover-up usually my personal opinion if, if you don't do any form of exercise and i get that it's hard if you've lot, tried to lose weight and fail but unless you come at it from like looking at changing your lifestyle and stuff like that then you can't just you can't just brand yourself with all oh, but like i i was just born fat and like i need to be happy with where i am and um, i think having some sort of re- routine of exercise is like vital if you want to like have a decent impact on your kids i think you should be pushing them into like doing some form of exercise and stuff like that because i can hand on heart telling you being fat as a kid in glasgow is grim it's so grim i didn't really like i think i said this before i'm quite lucky that i was quite funny um as a kid and uh, probably as a defense mechanism but if i wasn't i would have got probably got bullied um quite a lot so it's more about and also it you want a view especially lifting it's a preventive it's a preventative um it's not about the vanity sort of aspect it's not about looking better so that you can attract better looking people it's about when you get to like 50 and stuff which doesn't sound that old there's probably some of you that are 50 but i've had i've had the i've watched the film of what's happened to my mum she's got ankle replacements hip replacements um she like she can barely walk the length of herself when i came back from australia i hadn't seen her in two years and it was the one of the most like that would probably be the second most traumatizing thing i've ever seen is watching the deterioration of my mum over a two-year period and it looked like 15 20 years so genuinely the the vision i had of my mum compared to what i came back to was it was like 15 20 years that's what it looked like um from completely not looking after herself and i've tried like i've gave up trying to help her because it actually ruins my life um more than more than helps her because it will just backfire on me um so that's more the way i want like that's how i want you to see the flip side of it because there's no way that i can tell you um what you should be doing as a parent or any of that all i can tell you is the effect it has on the kid and the the habits that they'll sort of pick up and so even with both of my parents my dad would be the one that had the 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 better sort of habits and the one that would have had the better influence on me 
um, and even then, if he when he took his eye off the ball for two or three years, we can I think we do we take it for granted too much, and it's not a like pressurizing sort of thing. I don't want to make you feel like stressed out or anxious about it, and it's not I th- like I'm not perfect with my diet. I'm, I eat stuff that you would consider bad all the time, but I make it an effort to go to the gym three or four times a week. I make a much more I make more conscious decisions about my food than the average person because I know the fucking consequences of not doing that. I've watched it happen and I would not like it to happen to me. And I think that goes with absolutely everything. I think I slagged off David Goggins quite a lot just because I think he's lost, he's not lost his mind, but I just think some of the stuff he's done is over the top. But I read his book um, and it changed my opinion on him massively. So the what what I can relate to David Goggins is he looked around him and he learned what not to do. Um and I think as I got older at my perspective massively changed from the oh uh, I've developed these habits and copied like my like my surroundings to I've seen what misery looks like and I've seen what sort of causes it and I want to do the complete opposite of that even just all of my family I remember like the first time I tried to like do my own thing and not like not have a job and like make money on my own and they all told me I was going to fail and that working and hating your job is just part of life and I took that I, I heard it and I said fuck that fuck that if you hate and I'd ask some questions I was like do you like anything about your job and they're like the job pays the bills that's all it's there for, and I'd be like, fuck that, mate, literally, and they would all be like, oh, you're so naive, when I, even at 18, I was like, am I, am I naive, though, or are you are you naive that you can't see that maybe there is more life than hate, hating it, um, so I had a, I, that's the way i seen it, i seen, like, so if you are in that position where you feel like you've maybe had really bad influences in your life, then you can also look at it as like, What's what does their life look like? What have they done to get there? Um, what do you not like about their life? And what can you do to not end up in the same fucked up position they are? Um, and it's usually we all play that sort of victim, and I think that's what most of my family have done, and I've learned what not to do from them. Um, before we end this podcast, um. Actually, do you know what? I've nothing. I've nothing else to add to that. That's just. I just wanted to go deep into that. Probably there's not really much fucking motivational speeches. I actually just wanted to be raw and fucking explain. Uh, and I rambled quite a lot. I know that there wasn't that much structure to it. But do you know what? That's the. That's probably my story of how how you like someone not looking after themselves can directly affect you, um, and how I wish my mum done stuff to be proactive about her health i wish my mum done stuff to make her feel better or, or help herself um and and the and the act of not doing so and i know there's some stuff she can't help and i think like well i know she had a pretty traumatic upbringing with her mum basically my gran is an arsehole um i've not seen her since i was eight and she asked if she could meet up with me and my mum and I like I've genuinely not seen her in about twenty years. 
and I also said, fuck that. Um, so, yeah, that's what I mean. I've had... Uh, I, I wish my mum took some responsibility when she was younger. It's probably too late. Well, it was too late now. Um, I wish she took some preventative measures to not be in the position she's in. It would have helped me a lot more when I was younger, and I also would... She could have maybe prevented some of the things that have happened to her. A lot of them she maybe couldn't have. Um, a, a lot of them would have been maybe genetical, but you know what I mean. There could have, she maybe could have done something to stop where she is now. So that's it. Raw and brutal. There you go. Take that information and do whatever the fuck you want with it. Um, probably not the most helpful podcast, but might make you think differently about why we lift weights, um, why it's not about vanity, why it's not about... Um, being shallow and why it's about maybe making your life better lasting longer maybe thinking about the fact you want to actually live and be functional for your grandkids rather than just your kids maybe the fact you don't want to be in a wheelchair when you're 60 or even when you're 70 i would like i've seen some fucking great looking 70 year olds where they can still walk and the, like their head's still there because they've been proactive they've maybe they've maybe worked out their full life or done walking or hikes and um, maybe not something too strenuous on the joints they've maybe kept their mind active by pushing themselves by reading books you know or just staying social and i don't mean drinking just like having a sport to go to the balls every weekend you know someone that's just looked after themselves and at 70 they're like do you know what i've still got a wee spring in my step i might be a bit sore I'm probably fucking in agony but i don't need a wheelchair and i can get about um, that's the way you want to look at it and it might you might not think it matters now but um, from what I've seen time creeps up fast and that shit can like my dad took it, took his eye off the ball for two or three years heart attacks running our family bang there's your fucking scare and then, and some people um, you know that scare isn't just a scare it's traumatising so there you go I think we'll end that there for coaching DM me the word more info on Instagram and I'll get back to you. Apologies for the brittleness of this podcast. Um, apologies that it went off in tangents and apologies that maybe it's not the uh, maybe it's not perked up your Wednesday, but maybe it'll the next time you're like, do you know what? I think I might just sack off the gym, um, and then you go, oh, maybe I won't. You know, that's all. That's all I want from this. So thank you for listening. I'll, and um, I'll catch you in the next one. See you later.